0: I'm personally hugely optimistic about the pathway to net zero and the role that green hydrogen can have in in really targeting those hard to abate sectors. Uh, This isn't something we should do, it's something we have to do to decarbonize.
1: Hi, I'm Kaya Taylor, and this is Rewired, a show exploring the future of energy in Australia from ARENA, the Australian Renewable Energy Agency. We've spoken in the past about green hydrogen, that is, hydrogen that's created with renewable energy. It's a promising technology that could unlock clean pathways for many industries that are hard to electrify. And when it comes to industrial applications, efficiency can be core to the success of any new technology. Today on the show, we're speaking with Paul Barrett, the CEO of Hysada, a startup that's aiming to deliver low-cost, efficient green hydrogen.
0: HySATA is an exciting new company developing a highly efficient electrolyzer. So an electrolyzer, I think is probably most of your listeners know, uses electrons to split water into hydrogen and oxygen and HISATA has developed a new category of electrolyzer that really transforms the economics of green hydrogen production.
1: So what is HISATA hoping to achieve? What's the problem that you're looking to solve through HISATA? Can we pull that apart a little bit more?
0: So I guess there's probably two angles to look at that problem. There's the technical problem and and where kind of incumbent electrolyzers are today. And then there's the commercial and pathway to kind of net zero problem. So maybe I'll start with the commercial side uh, first. And this message will probably resonate pretty well with uh, Irene and your listeners. So if, if we look towards 2050 and net zero we've got to electrify everything we can, right? So there's no argument around electrification and deploying massive amounts of renewables and storage. But for hard to abate industries, electrification doesn't do it. Some of these industries need fossil fuel or fossil input today that can not simply be replaced by uh, uh, electrons. So green hydrogen, so that's hydrogen that you'd produce in an electrolyzer using renewable electrons as an input is really well placed to help decarbonize some of those industries as, as essentially a replacement for fossil uh, uh, feedstocks. So think of steel where they use coal today for the reduction of iron ore to the to, to steel that can be replaced in many cases with, uh, with green hydrogen. And think of the chemical industries uh, such as ammonia or methanol that would use natural gas today as a a feedstock that can all be you know drop in replaced with with green hydrogen and then if you look towards net zero this is going to be a pretty big opportunity for for green hydrogen so so to get the net zero we need about 20 percent of the world's energy system to be green hydrogen to, to really go after those hard to abate sectors I just mentioned and that's a pretty big industry that's on the scale of today's Natural gas industry, and so that's the the real problem, the commercial problem we're trying to solve is is to help the world on a path to to deep decarbonization by going after those hard to abate sectors, and sort of piggybacking off that is is the technology edge to that problem. So so electrolyzers have been around for over a hundred years. It's a pretty simple kind of high school level electrochemistry experiment. You have water and two electrodes. You You run some potential across it, and you can split water pretty easily into hydrogen and oxygen. The challenge with today's systems is they're not very electrically efficient, so you waste a lot of your uh, green electrons input, gets wasted as heat, and you've got to actively cool your electrolyzers. So the result with today's electrolyzers is they're not very efficient. They're pretty complicated. And the high SATA approach is is, is really able to disrupt those incumbents in, in how we tackle this problem.
1: Sata spun out of an arena-funded project between the University of Wollongong and Monash. The project was exploring the production of ammonia from renewables, and clean hydrogen is key to that equation. If you can transition the production of ammonia to renewable energy, then it would have a dramatic impact on our industrial sector.
0: So the problem they were targeting is, we just kind of get into the technology a little bit, is existing electrolyzers as I mentioned earlier, are are relatively inefficient or actually highly inefficient. They're only about 75% efficiency at a a system level. And most of that inefficiency, if you break it down, is really due to resistance in the cell. And the way I like to think of resistance is if, if you're at home today and you plug in your iPhone to charge and you leave it charged for a while, the back of your phone might get a little bit warm as it's charging. And that's electrical energy formed into thermal energy through uh, electrical resistance. And, and in an electrolyzer, if you, resistance is your enemy because it translates to heat. And if you have a lot of heat, you've then got to cool, you've got to have a chiller, and so on and so forth. So, so Jerry and his team really sat down to tackle that problem of targeting those resistances and eliminating those resistances from the cell. And then that process developed the, the idea that, that sits behind the high um, today.
1: Can you talk us through a little bit more why is it hydrogen that's needed in some of these circumstances so why can't they just be totally electric can you share some insights on that with our listeners
0: yeah so probably the easiest one to to think about is some of these liquid chemicals i mentioned like uh, uh, methanol or or ammonia ammonia is a a pretty good use case so ammonia is a widely used industrial chemical uh, with major use in agricultural fertilizer and has there's an existing process called Haber-Bosch that's been around since after World War One, which really underpinned the economic and population growth over the last century. So, so really, it's been that the fertilizer of the world helps you and I and the listeners uh, have nutritious food every day. If you look at how that process is run today, and this is a hundred billion dollar uh, global industry, ammonia. So, so today to, to make ammonia. You need nitrogen, which is pretty easy to get from air separation. So you you can separate the nitrogen from air. So that's kind of easy and and clean, Uh, but you need hydrogen. So so, um, ammonia is NH3 and atmospheric nitrogen is N2. So you need a source of hydrogen. And today that Haber-Bosch process is uh, fueled by natural gas. uh, So which is CH4 and, and you do a process called steam. And methane reforming, which essentially knocks your uh, hydrogen off the the uh, methane molecule and, and forms a lot of CO2 in the process. So that's a really CO2 rich process. So you just can't use electrons to make natural gas or to make hydrogen. So you can't do that fully electrified. But what you can do is you can take green electrons, run it through electrolyzer to make hydrogen and that hydrogen then will replace that natural gas derived hydrogen in a straight drop-in for that process, but the big challenge is is, is economics. Natural gas is pretty cheap, and uh, so that's why we we or HiSada has really kind of recast the problem and and really try to redefine the economics of that green hydrogen production.
1: In March of this year, the process HiSada is using to generate green hydrogen was highlighted in a research paper published in the journal Nature Communications. Having this work published was an important step in showing the viability of Hysada's electrolyzer to the world. The highlight of this article is that the capillary-fed electrolysis cell being used is capable of producing hydrogen at 98% energy efficiency, and when scaled up, should be capable of producing hydrogen at below $2 per kilogram. So while this all sounds quite promising, just where in the process is Hysada? From taking these ideas and research and turning it into a product that can be rolled out to the world.
0: So, off the back of that Nature Communications paper, that's been kind of the unstealthing moment for the company. So, that Nature Comms paper was published in in March. And um, maybe I can provide you a link uh, to that so so some of your listeners can, can pick up on that afterwards. But re- really, the, the hard work in this, this company started early, early in, in 2021, bringing the, the engineering team around. So, so it, it's, it's probably hard to describe without graphics. But if you consider not unlike a, a solar, you know, big multi-megawatt solar farm is built of a you know, you know, few hundred uh, uh, kilowatt or a few hundred watt panels, our approach to electrolyzers is the same. Is, is we're, we've got a highly modular product. And we're working on a completely different architecture, may, maybe that many of your listeners w- w- will have seen before, because it is a new category of electrolysis. But that analogy to solar holds uh, uh, pretty well. We're working on a, a small modular component that we're going to stack lots of these electrically in series. And, and that's the, the scale we're working on now. So I, I would say we're in in development, you know, building and, and testing and do a lot of uh, investment in, in people and equipment around quality and reliability testing. We're developing partnerships with a lot of people, uh, customers in, in industry to to kind of do our first field trials. And it's our expectation that it's probably 2025 when we have commercially scaled systems uh, out in the field. And in parallel to that, we'll be ramping up our, our production line.
1: Talk to me about the potential of hydrogen for the world, what is if we if we take a step back now, perhaps from Hysada and and just speak to hydrogen more broadly, what is the potential?
0: The numbers are are pretty big, so so I want to walk you through this market opportunity. So so as I mentioned, to get the net zero, you know, multiple reports are triangulating on about twenty percent of the world's energy system it needs to be green hydrogen, and this creates a multi-trillion. Yeah, that's not me with a verbal typo. A multi-trillion dollar opportunity for electrolyzers and, and, and we can break that down pretty easy with, with some rough kind of back of the envelope uh, numbers. So, so to get the net zero, we need about 500 to 800 million tons of green hydrogen and a rough number, uh, and I'm rounding up here because a high efficient uh, electrolyzer will do better, but you need about 10 gigawatt of electrolyzer capacity to make 1 million tons. So we're talking about 5 to 8,000 gigawatts, which is, you know, 5 to 8 terawatts of electrolyzer capacity. So truly, truly huge, huge numbers. And I think the big challenge for this industry is to be able to basically meet demand for this at the second half of this decade and into the 2030. So manufacturing capacity is going to be absolutely key.
1: So in terms of that's a lot of it's a lot of <laughs> hydrogen needed
0: yeah and, and and it also ties to renewables right right so if, if, if you look at a and I'll try and walk you you and your listeners through a kind of high- level example so if if you look at a, a 1 million ton per annum plant and this depends on the capacity factor of the renewables but it's probably going to be a dedicated renewable plant of the order of like 15 gigawatts connected to about 7 to 8 gigawatt of you know, incumbent electrolyzer to make 1 million tonne per annum of hydrogen. If, if you have a high SATA electrolyzer that's more efficient, and, and, and again, it's we're at 95% system efficiency, which is 41.5 kilowatt hours per kilogram, truly a giant leap in, in performance. When you, when you look at that 1 million tonne per annum plant, you reduce the renewables by 20% because you're not wasting the electrons. And then because your electrolyzer is more efficient, you also shrink your electrolyzer footprint. So when you pencil through the economics just on that one million ton per annum plant and just look at the savings in the renewables, it's uh, over four billion Aussie dollars at, at 2030 solar wind pricing savings just by having a, a more efficient electrolyzer. So that's the kind of number that that's making all the people worth speaking to. Uh, really take notice because that efficiency lever is just so huge, not only in the levelized cost, but the upstream capex cost of the renewable deployment.
1: You kind of talked through the generation requirements and and, and what the, the electrolyzer would be capable of. Is that what is standard in industry at the moment? So for our listeners who might not be aware, are there those types of hydrogen projects Generation plants, whatever you want to call them, operating in Australia or globally at the moment.
0: Yeah, at a, at a smaller scale, and and so so just like the, the solar industry, you know, electrolyzers tend to be modular. So so the the, the scale up uh, uh, is really just having more and more electrolyzers working in in, in kind of parallel. So electrolyzers are, are generally a well proven industrial technology, but but haven't really been deployed at the you know 100 megawatt plus scale yet maybe there's some some older uh, projects that i have but that you know because of net zero th- th- this has really changed the the focus of the big industrial customers so, so like a lot of the old if, if if you're sitting around a board table i'm assuming in a uh, you know fossil company that's either getting natural gas or oil you're having a pretty hard conversation about what 2050 looks like because there's you know way less or hopefully zero demand for, for fossil-based fuels. So they're trying to reinvent themselves as, you know, green energy carriers. And then everyone else that uses those fossil things as an input is, is looking at ways to deeply decarbonize. So, so huge industry momentum, almost independent of government policy, to, to really decarbonize these industry sectors. So the potential
1: for Australia, so the hydrogen opportunity talk us through a little bit more what that looks like. So you just talked about export, you just talked about co-location. Um, you know, if we fast forward 10 years, what does the potential of hydrogen in Australia look like?
0: Yeah, so, so I think I think there's a there's a more generic answer and then maybe I'll give a high specific one. So I I I I think the opportunity here in Australia is pretty big. And, and big on, on kind of a world scale so a, as we've already mentioned uh, you know abundant solar and wind resources that are in many cases underdeveloped and and could be packaged up with electrolyzers to make hydrogen as I mentioned for for energy export so that could be a huge industry you know with employment all along that that value chain fr- from electrolyzer manufacture which I'll talk about in a moment to Project deployment in the field to to just running and, and exporting those those industry uh, that material and, and obviously having the tax benefit for, for the country that comes with that so so really a profound huge huge uh, um, uh, opportunity and then w- with with Hysada, we're uh, and I know I'm on uh, I'll have a favorable audience to this as well with with the arena podcast we're we're a you know a proud Australian company we're we're planning to manufacture. In Australia and, and kind of give Australia sovereign capability in, in, in electrolyzer manufacture. There's, there's no need for Australia to, to essentially import solar, well, it imports solar panel and, and wind turbines today, but we're, we're planning to, to manufacture locally to to service what's a huge and growing domestic and, and international industry.
1: So, how many years do you think we are until we're at that point? I said, give me a 10-year picture, but do you think it's sooner?
0: Yeah, I, I think the, the, the second half of this decade is, is, is when we're really going to see these big green hydrogen projects take off. So, so I think you're about right in that seven to 10-year horizon is when things gets to start to get pretty serious. But the planning for that needs to start today, right? And, and, and that's where we're working on a plan to execute towards 2025 kind of commercial systems.
1: And so the idea of manufacturing in Australia these electrolyzers—that's a pretty exciting proposition, right? As a as an industry to kind of emerge—is there any planning at the moment in terms of where that manufacturing might take place, or you know what that kind of industry will look like at the later half of this decade?
0: Yes. Yeah, so, so so for us, we're we're in the process of designing and building a a, a pilot line, and and we're going to keep that close to home in the. In the Wollongong area it, it, it's pretty important to keep your uh, you know your researchers your engineers and your your pilot plant manufacturing team kind of close together to you know work through the challenges that that inevitably emerge when, when you're bringing online a first pilot line and then we're planning to build our first giga line in Australia as well and, and we've we a bunch of optionality of, of, of location of that giga line.
1: It's clear that green hydrogen has the potential to unlock renewable energy generation for large industrial applications, which can't easily be electrified. And while we are still in the early days of the green hydrogen industry, and there's still a lot of work to be done before we can transition some sectors, it's a mission that Paul and the team at Hysada are passionate about.
0: I'm personally hugely optimistic about the pathway to net zero and the role that green hydrogen can have in, in really targeting those hard to abate sectors. Uh, this isn't something we should do, it's something we have to do to decarbonize. And this translates to a you know, multi-terawatt opportunity. And, and I'm excited that an Australian company is, is kind of on, on the map and, and trying to build a lot of that capability, that manufacturing capability domestically and helping to export Australian technology uh, and, and globally. And look forward to continue working with um, my team and building our team. You know, we've got a fantastic foundational team in already. And we're going to be working with a lot of partners to, to bring this to life at the scale. So it's a, it's certainly an exciting road ahead.
1: Thanks to Paul Barrett for joining us for this episode. Rewired is brought to you by ARENA, the Australian Renewable Energy Agency, working to support Australia's energy transition. This episode was hosted by me, Kaya Taylor, with production and scripting from the team at Lawson Media. If you've enjoyed the conversation and want to learn more about the transformers working to change our energy grid or the projects that ARENA is funding, you can find out more on our website, arena.gov.au. I'll speak to you again soon.